friends, Billy Dean Shoemate III here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. This is the podcast where we look at the strange, the surreal, the unnatural, the paranormal, and we kind of dice it apart, and at the end, see if it's something that merits some further study, either uh, that or we dice it apart, see if it's something legit or if it's something that's completely and utterly debunked. I think the reason for Strange Places, the, the pull of it, in my opinion, is that, like I've said in every podcast, I will say it in every podcast, it's kind of our thing now, the you know, common sense in the realm of paranormal, supernatural study, people want so much for it to happen. People want so much for it to be the thing, you know, that common sense is often overlooked and people just don't look at things for what they are. A lot of it has to do with ratings and views and clicks and all that stuff. We don't do that here. Ratings and views and clicks are nice and everything, but <laughs> I just don't have it in me to... Um, have my common sense brain go off like a Christmas tree and not say what's causing it. You know, we've debunked things on the show. I think we've proven things on this show. So here's another one that we're going to look at getting away from the out to sea stuff for a while. <laughs> we are going to look at the case of the lead mask deaths deaths. Wow. I cannot say the word deaths. This is going to be fun. The curious case of the lead mask deaths. Wow. Now what we're, well, let's give you the gist of it first, okay? August 21st, 1966. After receiving a tip of dead bodies high on a rugged hill in southeastern Brazil, authorities discovered two formally dressed male corpses in waterproof coats, partly covered with grass, and each wearing eye masks made of lead. The young men bore no obvious signs of trauma, and there was no evidence of a struggle or immediately apparent cause of deaths. So what happened and why are we talking about it here? Miguel Jose Viana and Manuel Pereira de Cruz, sorry if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, were respectable citizens, okay? Young families. They worked together as electronics technicians. I think this is important, so pay attention to that. Electronics technicians in the town of Campos dos yeah, <laughs> I can't pronounce that either. So for the people of Rio de Janeiro who are uh, listening to this podcast, I do have listeners in Brazil. I am eternally uh, sorry for butchering <laughs> that name. <clears throat> Let's just call it um, Campos, right? Campos dos. I, I, I got to try this. Goi, goi to causes. Is that right? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, on August 17th, okay, 1966, the two set out ostensibly to gather electronic supplies for their work. And at 2.30 p.m., they got onto a bus to a nearby town where they pur purchased a water from a bar and raincoats from a shop, went and purchased these. Witnesses later claimed that Miguel seemed very nervous and frequently checked his watch. The pair set off up uh, Nitros Hill, Maro do Vitim, at about 3.15 p.m., and by some accounts, they hitched a ride in a jeep. At 5 p.m., a local boy, Jorge de Costa Alves, saw them higher up the hill. This is 
a really, really weird one. And there's lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of things you need to pay really close attention to, okay? So really dig into this one. According to reports, the boy returned to the hill the next day and saw the men lying on the ground. He assumed they were asleep. When he returned again two days later, August 20th, the hilltop was permeated with a putrid smell, which he returned to town and reported. Now, venturing up the hill the next day, police found the dead men, as previously described, and near them was an empty bottle of mineral water, two wet towels, and a notebook with various notations, including, translated from Portuguese, it says, 4.30, be at the specified location. 6.30, ingest capsules. After the effect, protect metals, await signal mask. That's exactly what it said, not paraphrasing or anything like that. Pretty weird, huh? Okay, listen to it again, all right? 4.30, be at specified location. 6.30, ingest capsules. After the effect, protect metals, await signal mask. The men also had receipts for the raincoats and for the water bottle and a small amount of money on them. Adding to this, <laughs> in addition to this really cryptic and bizarre note, the notebook also had a list of electronic part numbers, which some have speculated were encrypted codes. Though the evidence at hand appears to be that they were simply part numbers used by the men over the course of their day job. Although the note identified capsules, the police found none, presumably indicating that if they existed, the men had consumed them. Unfortunately, or more likely fortunately, for those advocating an alien or supernatural cause of death, no toxicology tests were done on the bodies for some reason. So what, if anything, the two men ingested is lost, unknown, we'll never know. The cause of death, however, was determined to be cardiac failure. Okay? Gets weirder. <laughs> this is one of my this is gonna be one of my favorite episodes for sure, because this is one of my favorite um this is just one of my favorite like weird things that have happened. During their investigation, police spoke with uh, El Cio Gomez, a friend of Miguel and Manuel, who told them that they were all part of a group of scientific spiritualists comprised of nearly all electronic specialists in the district who experimented in various ways. For example, two months before Miguel and Manuel perished, they and El Cio had built some type of device in Manuel's garden in an attempt to contact Mars. They were unsuccessful, and the device exploded by accident. This event was corroborated by Manuel's father and others who reported the experiment as well as a similar but more spectacular event. June 13, 1966, numerous witnesses reported an explosion on the beach in El Espirito Santo, the state just northeast of Rio, that, <clears throat> you know, I'm quoting here, rocked the buildings as far as 15 kilometers away. Whoa. Local fishermen also witnessed the event, and they reported that a flying saucer was seen to crash into the sea. Interesting. LCO also spoke of this event to investigators, and he claimed that it followed an international meeting between members of the spiritualist group and a UFO. He claimed that it was after it visited with them for about five minutes, it left with a blinding flash and a large explosion. In any event, 
When investigators searched Miguel's workshop, they found tools and lead scraps used to make the masks, which in truth were less masks and more eye covers crudely cut from thin sheets of lead, leaving the rest of the face exposed. There's no photos of them wearing the mask from what I've seen. We'll look in a minute. But the most famous photos that we have of these two were the mock-ups made by police. They kind of like superimposed or drew, you know, the lead masks on them, what they looked like. And these were just crude eye shields made out of lead. Interesting. Very weird. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind, these guys knew electronics. This was their job. This was their thing. They were specialists. Authorities also determined that the handwriting on the cryptic message found at the scene of their deaths belonged to neither Miguel or Manuel. It just keeps piling up, doesn't it? Reject, well, rejecting the supernatural theories put forth by LCO and lo other locals, police floated the possibility that Miguel and Manuel were involved with smuggling electronics equipment, which had been difficult to come by in Brazil at the time. A possibility. Another commonly touted explanation was that the pair had overdosed after taking some kind of illicit drug in order to make better contact with the spirits, and many suggested the two took acid. This theory was supported by a Brazilian professor of yoga, actually, who said on uh, who said that the men may have been trying to carry out a telepathic experiment with high frequency uh, high frequency thought waves with uh, LSD or mescaline however deaths from LSD believe it or not <laughs> despite what entities will tell you I'm not advocating but just being honest deaths from LSD are exceptionally rare when they do occur, it's usually when it's taken with alcohol, triggering a heart attack, stroke, or respiratory failure. There's no evidence that the men were drinking anything but water at or before their deaths. Then again, they didn't do a damn toxicology... Uh, toxic, how do you say that? Toxicology... Toxicology... We'll just say that. Toxicology. That's not a word, is it? That can't be a word. Sounds weird. They didn't do a toxicology analysis on the bodies. And that's weird to me. Nonetheless, the UFO spirits hypothesis wouldn't die, particularly given the number of witnesses to alleged UFO uh, events, um, you know, it's just around the men's demise. It's, it's odd. These included, uh, you know, society mavens in Jorge Grancia Barboso Quinino de Sousa. Hell of a name. Wow. I like it, though. And her children, who reported that on August 17, 1966, they saw an oval-shaped object of an orangey color with a band of fire around its edges, sending out rays in all directions, hanging over the top of Moro do Vintim. Ah, oh, I'm so sorry, Brazil. <laughs> I can't pronounce anything. According to Da Sousa, we'll just say, the object rose and fell vertically for three or four solid minutes. Finally... You should know that Miguel and Manuel were not the only male technicians to die on a rugged hilltop in Brazil in the 60s. Oh, you never hear about this on the YouTube channels or any of that. But I do my homework, kids. In 1962, a television technician named Hermes was reported to have been found dead on Maro do Cuizero in the state of Rio de Janeiro. A lead mask was near his body as well. Yeah. On the top 10 scariest places and scariest this and that YouTube channels or on the documentaries or unsolved mysteries or whatever. 
They never talk about that. Never. But, and you know, like I said, I do my fucking homework. And if I see something I don't like or something that messes with the story, I don't care. I'll, I'll tell you. In the end, it seems likely that whatever was in the consumed capsules probably caused their deaths, uh, whether intentionally or it's not clear. But then again, that's a speculation anyway. Um, the men took the time to purchase raincoats. It was raining at the time. One would think they didn't go onto that hilltop intending to leave their bodies behind, else why would they care if they got wet? That's weird to me, too. Or, either that, or a theory that was kind of posed by me. Most people seem to think, you know, that's the thing, that, you know, why else would they care if they got wet? Why'd they bring raincoats if they were planning to, uh, you know, if they were, you, you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying, right? One would think they didn't go to that hilltop intending to be dead. Why would they give a shit if they got wet then, right? But it's my theory that I propose that these guys wanted to look nice. As far as um, what I've seen from the reports, and like I said, we'll check some photos and we'll really look into it in a second. Um, <clears throat> these guys wanted to look their Sunday best. Really weird. And <laughs> what you know, whatever the case, as for the lead masks, weird. These appear to have been worn simply to shield their eyes from the intense luminosity of the spirits that they were seeing seemingly on the hilltop to see. Lead masks. And this happened to somebody else, too. So, you know what uh, really lit me up that I didn't think about earlier? Um, was the other guy. What was his name? I'm looking at my, at my shit here. Um... Yeah, I don't know if there's much on this cat. What the hell was his name? Hermes. Um, we're going to look this guy up because he kind of went the same way. And yeah, we're not seeing anything on Hermes. Um, oh, here it is. Okay. Because we have to look into this too. I mean, it's the same it's the same thing, right? I mean, this this is relevant. So let's uh, let's look up Hermes on this article here. Okay, um, a guy named Charles Bowen, researcher, found that local articles, which I want to see if I can pull up here, detailed the strange death of another electrical technician. Now we have a name, Hermes Luis Fetosa. According to these reports, I'm looking at them right now. Uh, Hermes had been found dead atop a different hill four years before, also with a similar lead mask. That is fucking me up, man. That's weird. Hermes had supposedly gone out to a low hill called Moro de Cuisero in order to conduct an experiment. Though difficult to verify, there were claims that Hermes intended to use alleged psychic abilities in order to pick up radio signals without the use of electronic means, but only with the power of the mind. His actual cause of death goes entirely unmentioned in any of these articles I'm looking at. Um, this is bizarre. And I'm looking at photos of the masks here. Very crudely done. Hmm. It's more of a more of an eye shield than a I don't know why it's called mask, but it kind of looks like um if you were out welding and you're like, oh shit, I didn't bring my helmet, you know, you would make something like this. Looks like it was made hurriedly, quickly. Out of necessity. Mm. 
there's a lot of details. I mean, surrounding the lead masks, uh, that's what seems the men may have been following orders from an unknown party. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. The possible additional death of a man with a lead mask is also the note noted instructions, right? The cryptic comments by Miguel about a secret mission. And this one I didn't mention. I'm going to look at a case report here. If I can get it to load. <laughs> uh, okay, the lead masks case. I'm still looking for where the hell. <clears throat> I think this researching this other guy is relevant. Because it's the same thing, right? Okay, I'm having a lot of trouble getting this to pull up. So anyway, oh, never mind. It's in another language anyway. It's Brazil. So anyway, couldn't read it if I wanted to. I wanted to look at the original reports, right? Um, let's look at something more in detail here. We need more detail. Because I'm interested in this one. The discovery of identity documents in the clothes. Oh, and subsequent investigations led to the identification of the two victims, Manuel, Miguel. They left the nearby city of Campos which is about 200 kilometers from the place where it was found. The bodies in a state of decomposition were lying on their backs, their faces turned towards the sky, and their hands behind their necks as if they were resting or purposely went into that pose before they died. They were lying on a bed of leaves cut with a sharp tool and wore over elegant clothing, not clothing that would be worn by electric engineers, okay? Like I said, Sunday best. Two new and identical raincoats. Near the corpses was found a pair of sunglasses with a ring stuck in one of the temples, a handkerchief bearing the initials MAS, an empty mineral water bottle, and a package containing two wet napkins. A rectangular block of concrete was also found in the immediate vicinity. No evidence that that was connected, though. So why mention it? <laughs> but it was in my notes, so there you go. Each of the two corpses wore, still on the face, by the way, lead masks, right? Shaped like a visor to shield the eyes from the position in which these masks were found, it was evident they were worn by the victims as glasses at the time of death. The scene, as it appeared to the investigators, did not provide any clue at all. We still don't have any idea. To make the case even more complicated, the discovery in the same scene was the notepad. Lists of electronic components, what looked like serial numbers anyway, a series of instructions probably linked to the reasons that led to the death. These instructions were, despite being perfectly intelligible as they were written with clear and orderly handwriting, correct Portuguese, still extremely cryptic. I mean, these were these two men were not stupid. <clears throat> they, they, you know, they, electrical engineers, you know what I mean? <laughs> with regard to the two young men... Residing in the populous city of Campos, it was learned that they were linked by a deep mutual friendship, okay? They, they had to work together within the profession of electronic technicians. They practiced from the reconstructions carried out. It can be considered probable that they had the intention of associating and sharing their own business in that sector. They were close, boy. Both unmarried. They both turned out to be passionate about technology and spiritism. From statements made by their acquaintances, they were big into UFOs. They both claimed to their friends, also, that they were in contact with beings from other planets. In particular, Miguel, like many Brazilians, was a staunch follower of spiritism. 
And his influence was certainly, I would say, decisive in the conversation to the spiritualist doctrines of Manuel himself. The two were seen participating in all the sessions of the Centro Espirita Born Jesus in Campos, which were held in the months of June and July of 66. As it emerged from the investigation, virtually all technology enthusiasts in the Campos area were enthusiastic spiritualists as well. So it was just a thing there. Um, now, as far as the place goes, the area, well, it's an inaccessible point of the hill. Hard to get to. It's on the outskirts of the, of the city. Currently, this relief has lost its original name. That's why it was so hard for me to find it. it took me like three fucking days. Then they changed the name of the place. <clears throat> hard to find on a map now, unless you knew what it was called before. Um, at the time, it's believed that it was a rather quiet area outside of the suburbs. And currently, the place is described by those who visit it as frightening, weird, uninhabited areas. People actually say that it's haunted, that there's a weird vibe out there. I don't know if that's psychosomatic because of the stories or what. Let's dive really, really fucking deep into this thing. There's a lot of stuff here. We might run over on time, but I think this one, uh, <clears throat> more so, this is one of the few cases that just has a lot to work with. A lot. More than you think. And I would be doing our eventual conclusion, whatever it is, a disservice. Now, we'll skim over it, okay? We're not going to you know, go like hours here, but, um, <clears throat> the two technicians boarded a bus that morning, uh, August 17th, by the way, that would take them to Campos, um, the motivation provided by both to their respective families for the trip was given by the need to stock up on electronic components related to their technician job. A niece of Miguel, uh, reported that she actually accidentally met her uncle at the bus stop, the, the bus stop. During I can't fucking talk today, man. What's my deal? Uh, during a brief conversation between the two before their departure, the uncle explained that he was on his way to buy a car uh, to her niece's objections that it would be cheaper to buy it in another place. Um, she replied that it was not the only purpose of the trip, and upon returning, she would reveal something very decisive about spiritualism. He kind of skirted around it. But then eventually, I, I guess, uh, broke the ice and said, why... Not maybe not exactly why he was there, but it had something to do with his obsessions, you know. <clears throat> the two uh, 2.30 p.m., they arrived in Nairobi. Nairobi. <laughs> Sorry, that was my computer. Fucking thing. The investigations will ascertain... In the afternoon, they went to the electronic shop. We know this. Um, in the course of... Subsequent investigations, the fact will come to light that along the path that led up to the top of the hill, the so-called uh, Centro Espirita, had been founded a mystical group of enthusiasts of spiritism who carried out studies and carried out research of an esoteric nature. And um, the link between the victims and them have never emerged, but there are a lot of people say that they were part of this kind of weird, no, I wouldn't say weird, but spiritual group that studied and were fascinated by these things. One of those things being possible telepathic communication with other worlds. Following morning, 18-year-old boy, he hunting for sparrows, sees the two bodies, and, you know, he didn't bother to verify the report. He thought the guys were just, you know, like sleeping. <laughs> August 20th, 1966. 
Two days later, another 18-year-old boy. Same area. He smells decomposition, putrefaction. He finally reached the point where the two corpses were found, rushed to give the alarm directly to the headquarters of the police themselves, went to the police station. Keep in mind, this is 1966, right? The only way you're going to alert the police if you're about past the burbs is to run to the police station or somebody that's got a phone. Early morning the next day, August 21st, the point where the two corpses had been reported was reached by police, firefighters, some journalists. They learned the news and wanted to attend the operations. The advanced state of decomposition of the two bodies and pervious nature of the area as well as the presence of numerous people, gawkers, showed up too. Unrelated to the investigation, my phone, my computer needs to shut the fuck up. Keep getting these damn notifications. Sorry about that. <clears throat> because I'm not smart enough to turn the speakers down before I record. Uh, <laughs> they probably compromised the activities of securing the scene by the police. With the sex, uh, you know, the, the consequent pollution of the, the same. Some journalistic photographs which portray the firefighters carrying the corpses on stretchers are in the public domain and easy to find online. Well, we're going to do that here in a second. I want to save that for last. Autopsy examination. Two corpses. Was made problematic, to say the least, by the advanced state of decomposition they were in. Furthermore, at the time of the events, the forensic office in Rio was overworked. The mortuaries in the area were already full. For this reason, among other things, it was not possible to use the cold rooms to store the bodies. Couldn't you guys make an exception? Was something this weird? You know what I mean? Like, I know they were overworked and things were going on and stuff like that, but man, you couldn't figure anything out with a story this odd. You know, this wasn't just normal stuff here, obviously. Anyway, <laughs> no trauma, no burns, um, internal organs. Well, they were unreliable for the stage of decomposition reached. Uh, it was just no uh, no cause of poisoning that they saw. Cardiac arrest due to unknown causes is what they said. The execution of a new autopsy ordered by the judiciary the following year, and which was carried out. Another thing that you don't ever see mentioned, August 25th, 1967. They never talk about this either. But still... Um, is it worth mentioning? Why? No elements of novelty to the investigations. Found the same thing. Nothing. So it was that on in May 1969, given the lack of clues about the existence of any crime, poisonings, trauma, anything. Criminal proceedings opened uh, ex officio, right? Were closed. Case closed. Act, you know, just uh, cardiac arrest, death. One of the elements never clarified during the autopsy was why. Why? Despite being exposed for three days and four nights, the bodies were not touched by any animal. This bugs me. Despite the abundance in the area, rats, vultures, I looked this up, carrion eaters, they were not picked apart or even fucking sniffed at by a single animal. That's weird. One of the elements that made the case disturbing to me was the discovery on the face of both corpses. The eye coverings. Their use was completely unknown. They're crude. It's not like they were things that electrical engineers used, right? <clears throat> These were crudely made. Um, the fact that the lead in the metal typically used for radiation shielding, <laughs> same, same shit. 
has led some to unbalance themselves in the most imaginative speculations, right? Contacts with extraterrestrials, paranormal experiments. Police investigations revealed that on the previous 12th of August, a neighbor who found the two friends working with hammers on a lead pipe. To his curiosity about what they were doing, the two replied, probably to mock the neighbor and drive him away, I guess, they were working to avoid the end of the world. That's interesting. Now imagine yourself doing anything like this. Speculate all you want. <laughs> but just taking, don't speculate actually, just take what we know, okay? What they were into, what they did for a living, take everything into account that we know so far. And you start doing this, making your lead mask or whatever. Your annoying ass neighbor comes by. Are you going to say something smart assy? Or is the truth so weird, <laughs> right, that you can tell them what's really going on and make it sound smart assy, right? It's weird. Um, yeah, here's another thing. An article, okay, that appeared on the following September 16th in the weekly of Oquizero during the investigations conducted by the police, the remains of the lead tube from which the two masks had been made were found. They were found in the laboratory at Miguel Jose Fiana's home. During the same research, a book was discovered that dealt with spiritism and science in which passages containing these intense luminosity, masks that you had to wear, and guiding spirits were highlighted. Highlighted. With a highlighter and shit. <clears throat> these books were found. Highlighted by the guys who had the red, who had the lead masks. That spirits of extremely high luminosity that you needed to shield your eyes from them. That's, that's a that's a major that's a major piece of evidence there. Major. Apart from the disturbing masks worn by the two, it was made even more mysterious. Presence among the objects found on the scene, notepads. In particular, one of them was transcribed in what's still a puzzle that challenges any attempt at understanding. One was the list of electronic materials, tubes and valves, uh, model numbers, whatever. Um, these don't appear very strange to an electrician. So this one is just, you know, probably something from their job, normal. <clears throat> the second ticket, second sheet, showed a sequence of prescriptions similar to the one that might accompany a medical prescription. What it says is, Sunday, one tablet after the meal. You never... I, this is something that bugs me. I saw this with the last one we did. On these <clears throat> channels and... Netflix documentaries and all this shit, they leave so much out. Maybe it's because it doesn't fit what their theory is, right? I just, I don't have it. I have too much of a fucking conscience to leave stuff out. I do. I mean, we, we have to look at everything. And so many of these channels just don't do that. It bugs me. Anyway, rant. <laughs> this reads, Sunday, one tablet after the meal. Monday, one tablet in the morning on an empty stomach. Tuesday, one tablet after a meal. Wednesday, one tablet before bedtime. Death occurred on Wednesday, 17th of August. That wasn't written, obviously. But last thing was Wednesday, one tablet before bedtime. The third ticket. Leaving aside the first two manuscripts in which any case would have deserved more attention than the one dedicated to them, the page that immediately captured the general interest containing contained the following information, also written with a handwriting that would later turn out to be that of uh, Miguel. Subsequently, <laughs> the person who um, analyzed the handwriting eventually came out and said, no, it's not from either one of them. Pretty odd, too. This handwriting wasn't from either one of these guys. 
another big piece of evidence. Big. At 16.30, be in the agreed place. 6.30 p.m., swallow the capsule after the effect. Protect metals. Wait for signal mask. That's really weird. Really weird. If we reconstruct the facts by trusting the transcription of the sentence, we get this. At 18.30, after having witnessed an event that has determined a particular effect, right, the capsule must be swallowed. After that, a protection must be avoided. Uh, avoided? I'm an idiot. I can't even read my own writing. A protection must be provided. Gee whiz. Okay. <laughs> after that, start over. A protection must be provided for metals which should not be understood as masks, as they are identified with the object of the following instruction, namely, wait for the signals to put on and remove mask, right? So mask and metals are obviously two different things. Protect metals. Wait for signal mask. That's one thing that strikes me. When you see protect metals, wait for signal mask, you think, oh, metals, you know, the lead masks. Then why are they referring to mask in the same sentence? Okay. There's different things here. It's weird. Um, it's possible to hypothesize the reconstruction at this point. 1830, the capsule is swallowed. After waiting for it to have its effect, the necessary operations are carried out to protect the metals, after which the signal is awaited, they put on the mask. This is a this is a bizarre case. Bizarre. On the 13th of June, 1966, remember the explosion we talked about? That was something that these two men were very interested in. It's often related with the explosion that took place in Campos, in the garden of Manuel himself, during the construction of testing electronic equipment, whose nature has never been identified, but which apparently was part of a mystical, esoteric experiment to which the two friends were devoted. The episode of the explosion took place in the garden, which was also witnessed, were confirmed by several people. Several people. The investigations ended with the dismissal of criminal proceedings. No decisive elements were found to constitute any crime. Among other things, during the investigation, uh, somebody named Helcio Carrera Gomez was arrested on suspicion of being responsible for the deaths due to some contradictions in the statements made during the two interrogations. The fact that at the time of his friend's death... He was 200 miles away. They dropped the charges against him. The case was filed as natural deaths. <clears throat> now, uh, I think this should be mentioned as well. I know we're going to go over, but there's a lot. We're going to go over time, but there's a lot here. we got to look at all of it. After the case took on the proportions of a national thriller, it was discovered that in 1962, the body of radio um, television technician, we got to talk about Hermes. Louise Fetosa, which I didn't know his full name until just now. The investigations uh, revealed that the victim had gone out to that place with the specific intent of experimenting alleged psychic skills. Lead mask. Why is that never mentioned in any other thing? It's, it's really, really strange. The... Uh, okay, we, we need to talk about this too. There was something I think that we should mention, okay? It gets... Yeah, okay, no, I'm just going to tell you. On March 4th, 1986, the bodies of two young men were found on a beach in the neighborhood of Gramari in Rio. Um, 
the circumstances, even if in some ways they recall elements of the, this case here, do not appear in any case to be completely... Uh, uh, it's very hard to explain. I'm just going to give it to you, okay? The two victims, 25 and 24, both grown-ups, UFO enthusiasts, okay? And other participants, they uh, participated in night meetings and uh, t talking with other enthusiasts with the intention of summoning UFOs or trying to. The elements gathered, gathered by the investigations um, were similarly strange, okay? We're talking about two more dead bodies, same area, 1986. On them was a liter bottle of carbonated drink, two plastic cups, a bottle of guarana powder, empty and without a cap, but it gave off a weird smell. It smelled like ammonia. It led to suspect that the deaths had occurred in a conse consequence of a case of poisoning. As in relation to this eventuality, criminal case was opened with the hypothesis of, of homicide. Again, no evidence of homicide. The reasons have never been satisfactory explained one way or the other. The fact that they were passionate about ufology led to the hypothesis they voluntarily gave themselves to death and the desire to contact aliens. Speculation, though. According to what was learned during the actual investigation, though, in their spiritualist circles that the two frequented, theories had been advanced from the actual members that envisaged the separation of soul from matter, and the only method to do this was the method that they used. This is... <laughs> This is an insane story. And, you know, like that we've seen, it's, um, there's so much to it. Lots of stuff to dice apart here. And we have to develop something. We have to develop, you know, this is what we do on Strange Places. Is this something that merits study? Is this bullshit? Is this debunked? Is this real? And, you know, we got to do that. <laughs> That's what we do, right? But I think examining this evidence, what's there and not there, in my opinion, in my common sense opinion, I really want this to be aliens, right? I really, well, two men are dead out of respect for them. I do want this to be supernatural. That's, that's interesting. I do want something to not be of this world, you know, something mysterious and cool, you know, an adventure outside of the mundane. But I think um, a picture is starting to develop here, and it's a... It, it's, it's an involved one. But while we've been examining things, what's there and not there, all of this stuff, didn't it seem to you like kind of a picture was developing? Let me tell you what I gather. The case is bizarre. And there was never any toxicology done on any of the bodies. We're talking about Hermes, the other two boys, nothing. Now, the explanation among ufologists, both professional and amateur, are saying that these men were, you know, they were trying to contact Mars or they stumbled upon something they weren't supposed to see. A UFO had attacked them. What I'm going to refer to as the History Channel explanation. <laughs> now, we've confirmed some things on the show. I'm kind of getting tired of debunking stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like because you, you have these things that you really want to believe in. And then once you really start examining them like we do on this show... There are some that you see and like, damn, I didn't want to debunk that. You know, I've had that feeling a few times. And um, I was just telling my girlfriend a second ago while I took a little bit of a recording break that um, 
I said, I wanted to stumble upon something that's real. I'm tired of debunking shit. <laughs> this one. The only thing supernatural about this case is that it is a UFO hotspot. And we have discussed on this show, um, we've determined that UFOs are, do in fact exist. They are extraterrestrial. These things do exist. I'm sure there are a lot of them that are government manned, um, experimental aircraft, what have you. I think there's a very small percentage of sightings and stuff that are actually extraterrestrial. But yes, they exist. And um, was this a case where something like that had happened? <clears throat> uh, honestly, I don't think so. The story that was developing to me, the picture that was coming to the surface, is that these two men and Hermes, we need to include him. I know it was before, but they were all part of the same spiritualist group. They were all part of the same um, group of study. They were all part of the same movement, the same club, you know what I mean? We have to include Hermes. He died in the same way. And the two boys, you know, their body smelled like ammonia. We have to include them as well. They were all part of the same kind of enthusiast group. Spiritualist, the same thing. They were all into the same thing. In terms of a group, a sect of people. The boys, we ended up getting a lot more. <clears throat> no toxicology report there. That sucks. <laughs> but the one thing that I kept going back to in my head was that the animals wouldn't touch him. And the boy smelled like ammonia. That was something that wrote, wrote, raised a flag for me. That indicates to me that these bodies were toxic. They weren't found to be radioactive, which is what we get from a lot of u legit UFO reports and close encounter reports. UFOs emit radiation. These two men were not radioactive in the slightest. It's said on the notes that they took capsules. The two boys smelled like ammonia. Um... The lead masks. It's known in this circle, the sect that they were in, that the beings that they were trying to communicate with, spiritual beings, alien beings, what have you, they were so, um, they, were, they would damage the eyes if you looked at them. So you had to wear a mask made of lead to communicate with them. You had to shield your eyes because it was harmful to look at them. And in every case, we have capsules that had to be taken and something that had to be ingested. Uh, given what's going on here, it's, <laughs> you can suspect that what they had to ingest was not good for them, right? I think that, honestly, Hermes, the two boys, these men that we were the main focus of this episode here, because of their religious beliefs, which I'm not knocking, but because of their religious beliefs and um, them attempting to communicate with these beings, they took something harmful. The lead masks were to avert their eyes. They were dressed in their best clothing. All of these, all of these people were, all of them, dressed in the best clothes they could get. Why? Why do you dress up in clothes like that? To meet somebody, somebody extremely important, right? <laughs> You're going to dress up like that to meet somebody that's going to change your life. That's why they were dressed that way. They were going there for the purpose of a very important meeting with something. The lead masks are telltale. It was highlighted in the notes, right? When you meet these beings, you have to avert your eyes. You have to protect them. These were electrical engineers. Hermes, 
television technician. The two boys, they probably knew about this at this point, right? They probably knew about the story. You got the masks have to be made out of lead. <clears throat> so the people who did this first, Hermes, and the two men that we're talking about on this podcast, they were electrical engineers. They knew their shit. And they figured lead was the best thing to use. I think these were just two deeply religious people, or three or five, right? <laughs> that were so convinced of these beings that they were going to meet that they ingested something harmful and ended up dying. You've got to take into consideration that it was highlighted in the notes, right? That they were going to meet these beings. Now, the supernatural thing about it was, were they killed by them? Was there something real and supernatural happening? I'm not seeing anything that suggests that. Nothing. What I'm seeing is animals that wouldn't touch the bodies. I'm seeing it is a UFO hotspot, yes. But I'm seeing animals that wouldn't touch the bodies. The smell of ammonia. Taking capsules. It's common sense, man. It is. And a lot of us want it to be aliens. I do. I do. <laughs> I want it to be angels or whatever. But you keep going back to the capsules. The animals not touching them. The ammonia. What does that tell you? That they ingested something that killed them. They went out there to meet these spiritual beings. They tried to communi uh, telepathically communicate with. Did they see him or not? We can't. We won't know. We'll never know if they were right. But that's not what we're examining here. We're examining what killed them and why it, the bodies were discovered in such a weird. It's a bizarre case. Weird. But I think that's exactly what happened, is that they, they were so strong in their religious beliefs that they ingested something harmful. That's what ended up killing them. They weren't attacked by a UFO. They weren't attacked by spirits or ghosts or anything like that. I think they were just trying to communicate with them. And, um, you know, they, in their study of what this was, dug a little too deep and did something harmful. I don't want to liken them to what happened with Heaven's Gate because that zealot-like religious behavior um, it can lead to some harmful things if you're not careful, especially when you're dealing with, uh, dare I say, alternative religions such as this, an alternative group such as this. There's a rabbit hole with everything. I mean, even Christianity. There's people I wouldn't hesitate to say zealot. And it, it's a dark rabbit hole to get into. There are some harmful things if you don't keep yourself in check, you know. And I think they, they just dug too deep. And unfortunately, they thought that ingesting this these capsules, and it's obvious. They poisoned themselves. I know there's no toxicology report. We can't confirm that, but come on. I mean, it's common sense. We have enough. We have enough. <laughs> and these two men weren't the only example. We have enough to conclude that they took something harmful. They expected to see something that they had to shield their eyes from with uh, pieces of lead. You know what I mean? That's all that happened. I'm not seeing anything that suggests otherwise. So what do you think, huh? Let me know in the opinions. Let me know in the comments section, wherever this is at. 
go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com. For all things no, disclo- no Disclosure, my other podcast, and Strange Places Related, all the social media links to theirs was linked to get to our Patreon account, where you can get early access to shows, bonus stuff, giveaways of certain tiers, outtakes, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's awesome. So check it out. For as little as a dollar a month, you can really help this show out and keep it going. Shout out to the patrons, by the way, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. Thank you for being a part of this thing. You really do make the show go, and, and I appreciate it. What do you think about this? Huh? Let me know. Shoot me a line. Did I miss out on that crucial detail? Something that could blow this whole deal wide open. On the contrary to what I said. <laughs> Let me know. And I'd be more than happy to re-examine that piece of evidence. But what do you think about the lead mask deaths? See, I said deaths right. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thanks for listening to this uh, latest episode of Strange Places. I appreciate you. I love you all. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Will we ever run out of strange places? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is the place for an independent or unsigned musician to get their music on every streaming platform imaginable. If you want your music out there for the world to hear, look no further. See, I'm picky with sponsors. If someone contacts me to be a part of this thing, I want it to be a company and a product that I actually use myself on a regular basis. All of my albums and singles that I've ever released have been through DistroKid, so believe me when I tell you they are the real deal. I've been a musician for a long time, and when I say that DistroKid gives you 100% of your royalties, I still feel like I need to pinch myself. The industry does not work that way. For only 20 bucks a year, yeah, you heard me right, 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music you made and get it out everywhere people stream music. My albums are worldwide, yours should be too. By going to the link provided in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year of the already insane measly 20 bucks a year. You'll be supporting the show and getting your music heard, so check out the affiliate link in this episode's description. Thanks, DistroKid, for being a part of Strange Places and for giving this old dog an audience.